BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and today we've got kind of a different setup. Uh, I'm going to call it the heat check edition of the podcast because we're going we're gonna to whip around uh, to several different Hail Varsity folks to get some thoughts and comments and some takes uh, from Thursday's pre-fall camp action. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to direct everybody to our site, hailvarsity.com. Um, there's a ton of stuff up for everyone to read from roster updates on guys like Dominic Watt, Mo Washington, Trey Neal, and Mikhail Wilbon. Uh, there was this rumor that Wilbon was not making the 110. Uh, he is on the 110, so there will be a full running back room for Ryan Held. Aaron Sorensen, who will be joining us later, uh, she looked at what that full room will mean, as well as why you shouldn't be calling this season a rebuild for Nebraska. Greg Smith uh, talked on offensive line rotation. Cue the cheers. And a changing mentality. Uh, Jacob Padilla, who will also talk with us shortly, uh, was at volleyball. Uh, and has a story up on them. Brandon Vogel obviously has hot reads every morning, and you should never miss those. He also has a couple notes from pre-fall camp. Uh, We did a roundtable discussion on what we're looking for, and then I wrote about squats with a Z and Luke Gifford with a G, plus we'll have more on the way. So on this podcast, uh, fall camp got underway Friday, and on Thursday, Scott Frost and a handful of players talked about football returning. Uh, It's very close, guys. I'm... uh, I'm going to get Vogel's thoughts on the day, and then we'll get Aaron's thoughts, and then we'll go to Jacob for some volleyball takes in the take tank. First up is uh, the guy that can pull up from anywhere on the floor with confidence. We've got Brandon Vogel joining us. <laughs> uh, that's the kindest basketball, that's the kind of description of my long ago basketball career that I've ever heard. So I'm glad that it's remembered that way. I remember it that way, <laughs> but... I should, I should probably actually use a football analogy since this is a football podcast. You're, you're our first quarter guy, our tone setter. That's probably more apt. Well, you know, uh, part of my summer research has been how important getting a lead is in terms of, well, basically every stat you can care about. So this is important. Being the first oh. quarter, I, I'm with it. Cool. All right. Well, that was, that was perfect then. Brandon, are you, are you as excited for football as Tanner Farmer is? <laughs> I thought I was, and then I saw Tanner Farmer speak yesterday. Um, there was a moment sort of mid-press conference where it was no longer a, a press conference but became a performance. I mean, who orchestrates their own walk-off quote? I, I've never seen that before, I don't think, from a player in a press conference. And it was, uh, frankly, it was amazing. Yeah, it, it was amazing. That's a really good way. There was a moment where I think everybody was like, should we stand up and clap for him as he's walking off? Like, I think I actually heard somebody say that while we were there. Like, should we clap for him? Um, let's let's talk about that because you have an interesting thought on, on what kind of was behind that impassioned speech, and I would like people to hear this. Farmer basically gave Nebraska fans the only hype video that they need for 2018. Um, we don't need any of those YouTube video edits with highlight plays uh, from last year. All we need is Tanner Farmer talking with maybe some Braveheart music in the background, um, and we'll be good. <laughs> oh, no, I, I 100% agree. I, I don't know how many 
how many highlights there were to be had from 2017 anyway. I mean, yeah. you could always just isolate some big hits and a touchdown or two, so I guess you'd be fine. But don't even go to all the trouble of combing through all those games. Uh, it, it's painful anyway. Just go with Farmer. You could just do what Fox Sports does and just play like the same three highlight plays over and over <laughs> and over again. That might be the best way to do it. I think I think it might be. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see the direction of the the Fox Sports promos this year after uh, after last year's, particularly with Nebraska uh, snafu. Uh, on Farmer, why do you think Farmer said what he said yesterday? Well, I mean, so everything he said was you know was great, was candy for for Husker fans everywhere. But what what it w- was to me was. So we talk about coaches and the effect that they can have on teams and players and just young people in general. And and Farmer's whole thing, for him to go up there and be like, I mean, it seemed to me that he had clear points that he wanted to make in that. And he answered the questions he got, but he also was transitioning to these things that he knew he wanted to get out there. It was an instance of this is what it looks like when the light bulb goes on for a guy under a new staff. And, you know, Greg Smith and I were talking a little bit offline about it. Um, like, if that's happening for other guys, it, it doesn't have to be all 110 right out of the gate. But if that's happening for some other guys, particularly some key veterans like Tanner Farmer is, that's a very, very good sign for Nebraska. So you, you, you wonder, like, oh, what's it like for these guys that, you know, we identify, here's five guys who might, might benefit the most from a coaching change like this. Tanner Farmer's talk on on Thursday is what that looks like to me, and it was it was pretty powerful to watch. It was. Uh, I think it it showed, and I mean this is something I asked Luke Gifford um, if excitement had maybe waned a little bit because when Frost was first introduced back in December, there was like players were like giddy almost. It was like the a kid on Christmas Day feeling, and I asked him like, yeah. did any of that wane through? you know, spring practices, waking up at 4 a.m. or whatnot, and, or summer workouts, and he's like, no, it actually increased. And I think Tanner was like the perfect encapsulation of, of that. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was excitement, and it was also confidence, um, which with, with, for any team coming off a of 4-8 and eight season isn't easy to have. But part of his the, the whole package there with, with what he said yesterday and how he said it was emblematic of like, Oh, they have instilled like to whatever degree they can to this point. Like they have instilled that there's no reason we can't be good right now. Um, we're going to give you the tools to do it. We've done it before, and that was obviously a message that reached Tanner Farmer in a big way. And in some ways, seniors, you know, seniors and freshmen, so the opposite ends of the pole, might be the most receptive to that. The seniors know they don't have much time left. Freshmen don't know any any other way. So it, it'll be interesting to see if. Uh, Nebraska's production contribution from guys kind of shifts to those two poles. So I'm uh, I'm I'm slowly making my way through the new season of Last Chance U. I have not finished it. Um, you also talked to the quarterback coach on uh, on on this season, so we're gonna plug for that. Go read that on hillvarsity.com. Um, but I'm making it through, and the episode that I watched yesterday, there was a quote from the head coach where he was basically like, "Coaching doesn't matter. Like I can call." the wrong play or the right play. Um, but as long as they trust me and they believe me and they have confidence in me, 
they're going to run over 11 dudes and they're going to score a touchdown. Coaching doesn't really matter as long as they trust you. And I thought that was that was so interesting. And I feel like that's kind of what Scott has been getting at. You know, we heard him talk yesterday about how they just need to rebuild trust. They need to have confidence in in the team. And we heard a couple players talk about how there wasn't trust in what they were doing last year. So I think I think you're spot on that Tanner Farmer having that kind of confidence in the coaching staff. I think that's uh, that's something to be excited for um, heading into this season. As if you know, fans needed any more reason to get more excited than they already are. Um, <laughs> takeaways? Any other takeaway that you had from the shenanigans yesterday? Um, you know, so senior linebacker Diedrich Young spoke, um, which was, was most interesting to me from one key perspective in that um, <clears throat> Cam Taylor's name came up again. And it's a name we've heard consistently. I know it was a name that came up with, with you, with some of the players you spoke to at Big Ten Media Days. You know, in terms of players always get asked, like, hey, who are the newcomers that are impressing? Cam Taylor seems to be the first name out of people's mouths. Most often, which is interesting to me because it wasn't that I didn't think he was going to be good, um, but I did not expect him to be number one here at, at the start of August when when those questions inevitably came. Um, if it was up to me, you know, I would have if it was Cam Jones, uh, the defensive back from, from Texas, that wouldn't have surprised me. He was probably my favorite player in the class. But but Taylor's mention has been interesting. You know, he was a guy who played quarterback. Um comes from Alabama, which is a good talent state, but it's not Georgia or South Carolina in terms of the numbers of recruits that they um, put out each year. So he's really intrigued me as a guy who I think is going to be kind of a a running storyline through fall camp and and also who, if everything that we're hearing is true, uh, might be a little bit of a sort of uncovered gem for Nebraska on the recruiting trail. I get the the two cams mixed up. Is Taylor the one that uh, said that playing corner is boring and he wants to play safety, or is that Jones? Um, I don't remember with that quote in particular. Jones is slated as a safety, um, at least as as far as I knew. Um, Taylor comes from Montgomery, Alabama. He was a guy who was a quarterback, um, but when Nebraska signed him, you know, he was slated for the defensive backfield. And I think from everything we've heard so far, is probably going to get a first look at cornerback. So if he finds that boring, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's where they're going to put him. Okay. Well, it's, it was probably then Cam Jones that, that made that comment. Um, Taylor, is he a guy that you could see playing right away or playing a significant role this season? We had a question in our mailbag this week um, about guys who would effectively not be eligible to redshirt this year because they'd play too much. Um, and Taylor was one of the, one of my guys that I thought fit that bill. Um, what say you, Brandon Vogel? I, well, I wouldn't have thought so coming in, but I think so now, um, based on, based on how much we've heard about him. And, and we know that quarterback is basically totally wide open. You know, we've, <clears throat> we started to hear some encouraging reports about Will Jackson, another new addition over the summer. Um, and we know that, you know, between the three, three guys who are all back that played cornerback for Nebraska, and, you know, maybe this was partially due to scheme. Maybe it was partially due to still relative youth at those spots. Um, didn't produce a ton of numbers. So that thing's going to be the Wild West of, of fall camp in terms of position battles, you know, behind quarterback, of course, because everyone cares about quarterback. But quarterback's going to be really interesting. And I, I, I would be surprised at this point if Taylor didn't uh, 
have a significant role there just based on everything we're hearing so far. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I keep going back to just the the look uh, during during Friday, the Friday Night Lights camp during both of them because he was out there. He was helping Travis Fisher with with drills. He was interacting with players. And, and, and I remember thinking it's just you don't typically see freshmen, and not only freshmen, but freshmen that didn't enroll early, freshmen that arrived yeah. when they're supposed to arrive typically, um, have that kind of camaraderie built up, that kind of connection built up with with seasoned players and guys that have been on the team for a while you don't typically see um, the types of interactions that I was seeing with with Taylor and guys like Lamar Jackson or guys like DiCaprio Boodle um, in the secondary so it, I mean it, yeah it's it's he's I think he's a guy that you have to watch uh, throughout fall camp as it gets going over the next month yeah, and that was really my first sort of point of thinking, oh, maybe there's something more going on here, was hearing your guys' reports from, from Friday Night Lights about him, because because like I said, you know, I had like three or four other guys ahead of him on the list of like, oh, I bet this guy plays right away. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's pretty interesting. Like, I, I dove back into him. He, he took an official visit to Auburn. I don't know if he had a sort of committable offer but you know he's from montgomery that's not far from auburn at all if you had to guess what team he grew up a fan of you'd guess auburn um so it was easy for him to get there he took multiple visits there he was committed to missouri for a little while um like four or five months and and then decommitted and things kind of seemed to slow down so it all leads me to like think like what did nebraska actually get here um if he's made this much of an impression in basically two months on campus. I got a gem. That's what it sounds like. Brandon, we, uh, we started strong. I think Scott Frost would be proud. We were able to, to roll through. Uh, we got more plays in than, than normal through the first quarter. So congrats to you on that. You started strong. Thanks. Did you say we're up 14, nothing going into the second quarter? I think it's probably 17, 17, nothing, 17, three, maybe. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we'll give up. We'll give up. We'll give up a field goal. Those are wins in the red zone. So yeah, we're sitting pretty. All right, man. All right. Uh, thanks, thanks for a lot. thanks for joining. Thank you. Okay, that was an awkward close. My fault. No, I I stepped on you. It's my fault. So you're good. We gave up another field goal at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We'll be we'll be we'll be starting with the ball in the second quarter. <laughs> All right. So next up on the podcast is Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. Happy Friday or whatever day when people are listening to this. Happy whatever that day is. <laughs> I never know like if we're sp- if we can say like like today, tomorrow, yesterday, like phrases like that or if we got to use like Friday, Thursday, uh Monday because like I mean, I would like to think that people are going to listen to this podcast when it comes out or maybe like within 24 hours of it coming out. But like maybe people are listening to, you know, a two week old podcast. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I mean, you do you um, live your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, when we when, when I first like set out to uh, to try to to do this format for the podcast, I was thinking it was going to be called the heat check. And then I talked to Brandon and I think we're going to change it to uh, four quarters. Uh, Brandon, Brandon let us off on the first quarter. Um, we, have a, we have a 17-6 lead so far. We decided that the, uh, the close with Brandon's talk was a little awkward, so they, uh, the other team got a field goal. So you are starting the second quarter up 17-6. to six. So don't blow it, essentially, is what I'm telling you. Oh, good. Okay. 
I want to first ask you for takeaways. You were there yesterday, Thursday, I guess, uh, at the pre-fall camp press conference. We got to talk to Scott Frost. We got to talk to Tanner Farmer. Um, Tanner inspired all of us with his impassioned speech. We got to talk to guys like Luke Gifford and Devino Zigbo and Dedrick Young. What, I guess, theme or something that a player said or, or something, what stands out to you most when you're when you're thinking about everything that we heard and saw Thursday? So one of the things that really stood out to me yesterday, aside from, you know, Tanner Farmer getting everyone super pumped up and the players were obviously really excited and they should be. That's how you want them to react going into the fall camp. But I really thought it was interesting what Frost said about the energy levels of the team. So when they got to spring practice, the energy levels were really high, obviously a new coaching staff. There's a lot to look forward to in the, you know, those first few months. And then that energy level sort of just um, fell off a bit throughout spring practice. And so for them, they don't want to run the players into the ground in fall camp. Obviously that would be the worst thing you could do, but they do want to have a consistency they want to find consistency on that energy and making sure that the 100% that they're giving today, Friday, the very first day of fall camp, is the exact same level of energy that they're giving, you know, the last practice before the first game of the season. And so I found that interesting because I think we have talked about this a lot in the offseason, sort of, you know, how these players are adapting to a quicker, more, you know, a faster, more upbeat, like up-tempo offense how the defense is responding, how the offense is adjusting, all of it. And that kind of told us what it was. They they started out really high energy, and it, it fell off. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works during fall camp, especially now that they've had a summer in, in Zach Duvall's um, weight room and, you know, getting better nutri- nutrition. So I'll be interested to see if that, if, you know, Scott feels that way about the team at the end of fall camp. But I found that interesting, just kind of in hindsight, about spring. Yeah, I mean, typically, you know, when you're going through a camp period, when you're going through a month where you're practicing and you're on this rigid schedule every day, there's going to be like that random Tuesday on like the third week where the energy is going to dip a little bit. Um, Mm. But I I think everyone was just expecting that, there was going to be so much excitement, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was Luke Gifford. It was either Luke or Tanner Farmer that said that the these guys wanted direction. These guys wanted coaching. Were you surprised at mm-hmm. all to hear that the energy level dipped? I mean, does that surprise you at all, given all the 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 things surrounding the program and the context of this this coaching change? No, I mean, even Luke Gifford was the one who said, you know, they sort of had lost trust sort of in the coaching, the previous coaching staff as the end of the season uh, was nearing last year. And and then you had Tanner Farmer, like you said, who's, who all he wanted was direction. Tell me, tell me who to hit and I'll go hit them. And, you know, I, I think that says a lot about sort of, you have to like, you have to kind of almost step back and remember, like these are 18, 19 20 year old kids for the most part I mean the oldest person on the team is Damian Jackson and he's 25 I mean they're they're not these you know they're not grown adults yet and so for them it's like hearing Tanner Farmer said that say that it's like what he was asking for in that moment is just somebody coach me tell me what you want me to do and it just feels like that wasn't happening and so 
I can understand why we're hearing things now where it's not like they hated the previous staff. And you hear them say that I'm not trying to, you know, even Luke Gifford said, I'm not trying to disparage the former staff. They, they always preface that, but it is, it is kind of, you hear this now that they weren't really being required and pushed to have to lift if they didn't want to, they weren't pushed being pushed um, for, for young men looking for direction and just asking somebody to push them. I think that's why you saw the energy level fall off because there wasn't anything to like make them have to go full speed and make them have to go full throttle. And that's very different now. And so uh, I always say we'll know exactly how it works out once November rolls around and we can see sort of how their energy levels are then. But at least for right now, it sounds like they're they're getting the things that they wanted, which was direction, coaching, and just people to push them a little bit harder. Is there any other like thing that you can do in life where you can say, hey, just tell me who to hit and it won't raise eyebrows? <laughs> Football might be right? the only one. I know when he said that, I was kind of laughing, just thinking of like how that statement would be massively inappropriate in most other, <laughs> you know, settings and scenarios. But in that case, it worked perfectly, and like everyone's like, "Heck yeah!" And everyone was so amped up that he was like, "Just tell me who to hit. I'm gonna go hit him." It's like, put that in the word, like in the mouth of just anybody else for the most part outside of like a boxer, uh, and yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be quite the same. <laughs> Well, I'm going to start prefacing our uh, our Tuesday morning conference calls with "Tell me who to hit," and uh, we'll see how Just it goes from there. <laughs> attack the week. Yeah, exactly. Attack the week. I want to ask you, um, as somebody that has has been at several of these things over the last several years, did 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 it feel yesterday like players were just happier? Like not so much excited because there's always excitement at the beginning of the season everybody's zero zero we can win a championship blah 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 but did it seem did it feel like i got this sense that players were just happier like they were they were just in better moods did you get that too well it's funny that you say that because i actually was thinking about that quite a bit last night and and for anybody who's listening it does not matter what night it was just think last night i was probably thinking about this no um i i was kind of trying to remember what that first off season with Mike Riley and his staff were like, and if it compared to this one, and I, I don't think so in the sense of, you know, when, when Bo Pelini was fired, there was a lot of people who, um, you know, didn't agree with that decision. They didn't think Bo should have been fired. So you already are started, you, you already are started sort of starting from behind on that is what I'm trying to say in the sense that like you already have people that you're now trying to convince that this was the right move. And so you've got some people that are on board, some people that aren't. And that was the case even with players. I mean, we knew from the get go that Nathan Gary was very opposed to the coaching change and he made that known in his attitude. So you have players who are very visibly not happy with that whole change. And so I was trying to compare it to that year. And it was like, you know, it didn't feel really anything like out of the ordinary. I think what's different this year versus not only the last time a coaching change was made, but also just in general is there's just this like general excitement and this want to be more, to do more. I, I, you know, when I heard Tanner Farmer saying what he did about not wanting to just win the Big Ten championship, but winning the Big Ten champ or win the championship, the national championship, I, you know, part of you wants to roll your eyes and be like, the likelihood of that is very, very small. 
But, like, then you take a step back and you're like, how can you fault this player who has been through so much at this university from not making that their goal? And that's the thing that I think is different. I think that those goals had always been there in the past. They wanted to win championships. It just feels like now no one is telling them on the team that it's crazy to dream that. It feels like they're all kind of in this where it's like, go big. Like he said, go big or go home. And... I mean, they probably won't win a national championship this year, but by all means, make that your dream. Go for it. And that's, I think, the biggest difference is I don't feel like I've heard players, at least in my time covering this team, so adamantly chasing these just crazy dreams. And that's kind of what you want because this is a game, right? Like you want them chasing crazy dreams. So good for them. And I think that just plays into this staff and what they want their players to go after. And heck, you saw what they did at UCF, and no one thought that was possible. So, I, it's kind of it's kind of that idea of go big or go home. Yeah, uh, but I will say this: if I like transcribe the word excitement one more time, like I'm gonna just <laughs> throw my laptop. Like I feel like we just keep like everybody just oh I'm excited for the season. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited I'm to get things going. I'm so like excited. we get it. Chill. You're going to, like, give everyone a thesaurus and be like, okay, so I know you're excited, but there's, like, 16 other words that you could use that mean roughly the same thing that you're trying to convey. So here you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. You don't follow – do you follow the NBA? Um, A little bit. Not quite as much as you and Greg. <laughs> so on draft night, do you know who Adrian Wojnarowski is? I guess is, is yes. how I should preface this. Yes. So on yes. draft night okay. – he was told, like, everybody was told, basically, all the NBA reporters were told, basically, don't tip draft picks. Like, don't tweet them out before they're announced because we have a TV partnership and we don't want, like, the TV show being ruined. And, like, there was, so Mark Stein from the New York Times uh, basically broke news on the first draft pick, if I remember correctly. Um, and... Woj wasn't tweeting anything. Woj was silent. He was on ESPN's broadcast, and he was, like, abiding by the rules that his boss had given him. And there was this point where everybody was like, oh, my God, what is Woj going to do? And then for the entire rest of the evening, he was tweeting out, like, instead of, you know, Team X is picking player Z, it was like, Team X is enthralled by, or this team uh, will not refuse to let this moment pass, or this team is, like, just, just crazy things like that. I need a Nebraska football player to do that in a press conference. Just just, ha- just bring a thesaurus with you and just roll through everything. I need that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. No, I, I think that would be – I just think it would be fun to see what words they would, like, take to and what ones they want to use. That's what I want to know now. But, yeah, I think they're all, like – the general vibe is excited. It's like, that's great, but now we need to get deeper than that. <laughs> Within your excitement, explain it a little bit more. <laughs> Talk about your excitement. Yeah, and uh, and Talk about Yeah. Frost had the best quote when he was he was basically like, Yeah, off season hype is for newspapers and fans. Now we gotta go out and we gotta prove it. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, I uh, I appreciate the time. It was short and sweet, uh, but we were uh, we ran through topics fast, just like Scott Frost wants his offense to do. So I appreciate you uh, giving us some time. We uh, definitely have to be like way ahead. Like that has to be worth like two touchdowns at least, and the defense held its sure. own. Sure. So what do you think? Twenty-eight, thirteen. Well, that would give up a defense I, or a defensive. That means the defense would have given up a touchdown. I'm not giving up nothing. We're excited. Okay. We're strong. Twenty-eight to six. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. We All right, so we pitched, a sh- we pitched a shutout in the second quarter. That's pretty impressive. So we're going into halftime with a lead. Aaron, I appreciate you, and uh, we will talk soon. Sounds good. All right, and uh, coming out of halftime, I didn't plan this very well. We've only got three people, and I set four quarters, but we'll figure out the fourth quarter. Coming out of halftime, Jacob Padilla, you're starting the third quarter for us, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I am glad that you are here because one of the things that happened Thursday that hasn't really gotten a ton of coverage because football is king in this state, uh, but volleyball held their kind of photo shoot media day type thing and you were there for it i was i was down in the bowels of the uh the vanny center for most of the day yesterday just kind of hanging out waiting for uh some of the players to get done with their photo shoot responsibilities so they can spend a few minutes talking with me just kind of previewing things and seeing how the summer went so i don't know i'm gonna kind of call myself out here but i don't know a ton about volleyball so i'm going to rely on your expertise to lead us through this segment this this third quarter hopefully we don't uh, give up too much um i would like to know for people that weren't there uh for people that maybe didn't catch it give me some give me some observations some things that you saw sights sounds um what what were some of the things that that kind of stood out to you about being with volleyball yesterday all right Real quick, I'll just kind of start off with uh, where the team's at. Uh, just kind of from a roster standpoint, coming back from last season, um, they've got four starters back in Michaela Fecky, Lauren Stiverens, Jazz Sweet, and Kenzie Maloney. And that's basically everybody that played significantly last year. So they got a lot of newcomers, a lot of people that came off the bench last year, didn't see a whole lot of playing time that are going to see bigger roles this year. You've got five freshmen. You've got two transfers from other schools. You've got a girl coming in from the Czech Republic who just arrived last night, actually, um, to add to that setter room. And then you've got a trans, uh, you got Lexi Sun is kind of the big transfer. She's going to be a sophomore after a year at Texas. So that's pretty much a brand new team outside of a few kind of key pieces. And last year was similar in the fact that they only had four starters back but they had a lot more familiar faces. They had some girls that didn't play a lot, some that redshirted, that kind of stepped up and played a big role. And then you also had Kelly Hunter back at setter, which uh, for all the football fans out there, your setter is basically your quarterback. It's the most important player on the team. So this this offseason has kind of been a little bit different than last year. A lot of new faces, uh, a lot of players are going to have to play different roles and step up. But honestly, it's uh, Lauren Stiverns. I talked to her. She's kind of the last one I talked to. And she said, believe it or not, this team is actually closer than last year's. And that was kind of the whole thing about last year's team is how close they were and how much fun they had together. So that's uh, certainly something that I think Husker fans would like to hear with all the kind of turnover on the roster. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. A couple of the, uh, the freshmen uh, coming in, just absolutely rave reviews from all the players I talked to. The first is uh, setter Nicklin Hames. And I'll actually get to her a little bit later in our, our next segment. But the other one is Callie Schwarzenbach. And um, she's uh, the middle blocker in this freshman class. And she uh, she's going to have a big opportunity here to play next season because she is one of two middle blockers on the team after um, they had a, a transfer. 
So uh, Callie is a 6'4 middle blocker from Kearney, Missouri, uh, multi-sport player, or, uh, multi-sport athlete, kind of did a lot of things in high school and talked to Lauren Stiverns about her and uh, kind of here's her quote. It's pretty strong. She is incredible. She's so quiet, though. She's definitely a silent killer. She's very good. She's a huge block and she's got a great arm swim. I'm excited to play with her. So that's a pretty glowing review there for freshmen that's only been here for a little bit, but one that they're going to have to rely on a lot. And I think she's definitely got the size, the athleticism, the skills to make a big impact right away. Um, a, another player that um, other player, the others kind of talked up a lot was Haley Densberger, a defensive specialist from Malcolm, Nebraska. Um, walked on last year, played uh, some spot minutes here and there, serves and played a little bit of defense. But um, they said she has just absolutely been tearing it up in their workouts and their open gyms. Like they can't get a ball to the ground against her. And um, one, uh, I think it was uh, Kenzie Maloney compared her to Sydney Townsend last year, who uh, was a senior that played a big role as a defensive specialist. And it sounds like Densberger is going to be the one that kind of steps up into that D, that major DS role alongside um, uh, Kenzie Maloney as the libero, um, taking over for um, Sydney Townsend, like I said, who was another local girl that walked on and um, grew into a really good player for Nebraska. And I think Haley's tried to kind of follow in that same path. Um, that all sounds good. Um, yeah. is, is, I'm going to take your word for it because I don't know what a libero <laughs> is. Um, let's <laughs> let's uh, you alluded to this uh, like a minute or two ago. So good job on the transition. I appreciate that. Let's move to uh, this segment that we're going to call Take Tank. Jacob, are you, are you familiar with Shark Tank? The television yes, show. Yes, I have seen it before. All right, so you know the premise of 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 what they do inside the Shark Tank. I do. Okay. So I am a shark. You are entering the tank, and I need you to sell me a take. We're going to go through two of them. So I need you to sell me one, your first take on Nebraska volleyball for 2018. Nebraleyball? Is that a thing? Can we call them that? Uh, I think people have tried that before, but I don't think it's necessarily stuck. Okay. So Nebraska volleyball, sell me a take. I just call them champions. How about that? Oh, there you go. Okay. People <laughs> the people will like that. <laughs> well, my first take here is I, I mentioned a minute ago how um, how much Nicklin Hames came up yesterday, but I think she's going to be a four-year starter at Nebraska, and she may not be all-conference this year as a true freshman. Um, they, we've got some pretty good setters in the league coming back, but she's definitely going to grow into – uh, an all-conference player as her season plays on. Um, she is the number one ranked setter in the freshman class, and she's been playing varsity since eighth grade. And you, you read about the story, um, and her uh, they won state um, as an eighth grader, and her team like fell apart in the first set, and they fell down 1-0, got run out of the, off the floor in that first game. And uh, coach kind of, looked at Nickel and is like, all right, all right, we've got to change something here. You're playing setter now. And she took over the setting role. Like I said, that's kind of the most important role on the floor. And she led them back uh, and won it in four sets. And then I think they won uh, state the last four years as well. So she's basically been preparing for this her entire 
high school career. And that's uh, exactly what she said to me. Um, it, she said that all, all that experience had really prepared her to step into that. And she's got one of the best setters in school history on her side as well. And Kelly Hunter, who has been around, she practiced with them in the spring um, and has kind of been around in the gym, just giving advice. And she's actually going to sit down with Nicklin and kind of just talk with her, have a little bit of lunch and discuss what it means to be the setter at Nebraska. So I, I think all that experience, all, um, all those people in her corner like, uh, like Kelly, and then on top of that, her natural talent. Um, it, it's tough not having a returning setter, especially uh, of any kind of veteran, but I think Nicklin is really going to impress a lot of people this season. Jacob, if the journalism thing doesn't work out, you could probably get a job selling stuff as an advertiser or something. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. Um, and I was not going to buy it until you brought Kelly Hunter into it because I think it's it's interesting to go from maybe what people consider an all-time, not not even volleyball, but Nebraska athlete in Kelly Hunter uh, to someone new and then to say that that person is going to be the next four-year starter I think is is a bold statement. But you got Kelly Hunter in there, and so I will buy it. Second take. One for one. You're, yeah, you're one for one. You're one for one. You started out strong. Second take. Hit me with My it. My second take is that by the end of the season, Nebraska is going to challenge Minnesota for the best hitter position, a collective group of hitters in the Big Ten. You look at last year's kind of postseason honors, and Minnesota placed um, two players, two outside hitters, uh, sophomore Lexi Hart and freshman Stephanie Samity on the all Big Ten first team, or I guess the all Big Ten team. They only go with one. Um, and they've got the best returning setter in the conference and Samantha Seliger Swenson on the team as well. So that, that's going to be a, a tough crew to deal with. But you look at Nebraska, they've got Michaela Fecky coming back and kind of growing into, um, into the, her, the leadership role as a senior. Last year, she transitioned into being a um, six-rotation player as opposed to just a straight-up hitter which means she plays defense, she plays off, she plays all the way around. And those are the most important players on a volleyball team outside of the setters, having those six rotation hitters. And that's kind of what made the difference for Nebraska last year. And Fecky was also on that All-Big Ten team. And then you look at the, the depth on the team. You've got Jazz Sweet at that uh, opposite hitter position, uh, lefty coming off her freshman year. She was named to the All-Big Ten freshman team. And she shows some serious potential. She's just got a knack for getting kills. It's not all, she doesn't always bring the, the, uh, the heat in terms of um, uh, like full power swings, but she's just so crafty. She's so good at um, getting kills off the block and avoiding the blockers and getting them uh, touches over the top that, that hit to the ground. And so she's uh, a really talented player who's coming off a good freshman year, and I think she's going to grow even more as a sophomore. Then you add um, the transfer that I mentioned earlier, Lexi's son to the group, and she was the number one ranked recruit in the high school class um, heading into Texas last year. And she was a little up and down at Texas. She showed her immense potential but also struggled at times. And she decided uh, to move on after that year and pick Nebraska in large part because of Nebraska and John Cook's track record with transitioning hitters into six rotation players. And that's kind of her goal at coming to Nebraska is to really round out her game. And I think by the end of the year, you'll see Becky is one of the best players in the conference. 
and then Sweet and Hart as excellent options outside of her. That'll give Nebraska a really tough um, attack to deal with. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know enough about Minnesota to uh, <laughs> to dispute your your take. So I guess I'll buy that one too. There, 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 so there's there's good vibes around the team. Basically, is what you're telling me. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the, the girls were loose. They were having fun yesterday. Um, like I said, they they uh, they really seem to get along and really like each other. And that, that's huge in volleyball. Is just kind of that camaraderie and that connection off the court really transitions to the on-the-court play, and I think we're seeing that with this team. So it seems like re- reload instead of rebuild is more how Cook does things. I mean, it worked last year, but obviously, you know, the ceiling for that team was obviously a national championship. <laughs> what is the what is the ceiling for this year's team? Yeah, that, that's a tough question. I'll never, honestly, I don't think I'll ever put a ceiling on a John Cook team. Because you asked me this question last year, I would not have said national championship was their ceiling. I don't think, just based on the fact that you lost Kelly Hunter, and she was one of the best players in all of college volleyball last year, I think Nicklin Haynes is going to be really good. But expecting her to be Kelly Hunter as a freshman is quite a lot. So I, I don't think this team will be as good as last year's. But I think by the end of the season, kind of like what Cook's plan was last year, is they wanted to be really good in the, the non-conference portion, and they wanted to be great in the Big Ten season, and they wanted to be unstoppable by the postseason. And I think he's going to kind of take the same path that this team is, kind of grow early on, let the girls kind of um, find their roles and become comfortable with each other. And by the end of the year, I think they're going to be as tough as anybody. There you have it. Jacob Padilla with the volleyball takes. Jacob, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think Looking we, yeah, uh, I think we, uh, I think we closed out the third quarter strong. I think we still have the lead. So, congrats on that. <laughs> I appreciate. It. I didn't blow it. Do you think that uh, we gave some points back on the scoreboard, or do you think that you extended the lead? Rank yourself. Well, I, I think uh, just based on the kind of the competition and what's out there in terms of volleyball right now. I, I think we definitely built on the lead a little bit. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of uh, volleyball talk going on right now all over the place. Um, so I think that's a, a reason to come to Hale Varsity because we kind of give you all that stuff. Yeah, it's a benefit for us. And I think you went two for two in the take tanks. So I think we're uh, I think we're in good shape heading into the fourth quarter. I appreciate that. All right, Jacob. Thanks for, uh, thanks for lending some insight into Nebrali ball. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, bud. Talk soon. All right, bye. I guess I'm going to have to close this out. Um, I've never never played in the fourth quarter, so that's probably not a good sign, but I think the team has built up a, a big enough lead to where I won't blow it. Um, I'll just say that, that I think this year uh, this team is going to surprise some people outside of the state. Um, I still haven't quite cross the Rubicon on, on their win total. I think the schedule is just, I, I, I mean, I'm just being blunt. I think the schedule is too brutal. Um, 2019 gets a little bit easier, but 2018, I mean, the preseason Amway coaches poll came out. The only time the coaches poll matters, uh, but we got our first ranking out and something like four of the top 15 preseason teams in the country, Nebraska will play. Three of them are on the road. Um, I think I, I think it's that's just too much. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid that the fan base is yet, um, but I will agree that they're going to look competitive. Uh, they're going to look more like a cohesive unit. And that's probably my main takeaway from Thursday. 
Um, at Big Ten Media Days, I talked to Gerald Foster about trust. He essentially said that they didn't have it last year. Um, let me let me read you the quote that he gave. It got to a point where we were in the season and people just didn't trust each other. They didn't trust that what was going on, and that's the only thing that I can't have happen ever again on a football team. If I'm supposed to be a leader, you just can't have there not be a trust factor. That's what allows people to play and allows people to do what they want because they believe you'll be doing your job, and that opens up their game. Now, here's what Luke Gifford said Thursday. This is this is a quote from Luke from, from pre-fall camp, so a week after uh, Gerald talked. I think overall there was a lot of trust that needed to be gained back. I think that there are a lot of things that were going wrong last year, but a lot of guys were second-guessing the things that we were doing, and I don't think there was a whole lot of trust between us and the coaching staff. So when I think when Coach Frost came and Coach Duvall and the rest of the staff, that was the first thing we started doing was building that trust back up, and during the summer with Coach Duvall, we really solidified that. So I think that's really changed the outlook of our team and the way the guys work and go about everything that we do. It's been really, really positive. And then uh, one more quote. Here's what Tanner Farmer said. Um, and, and this is, I mean, this is a quote that's getting a little overshadowed by the, 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 the rah-rah hype speech that he gave. Um, but I think it's, it's incredible in its own right. Um, the quote from Tanner. I feel like the thing we needed was direction. We just needed direction on which way to go. We were eager to work hard. One thing this staff told us was that they didn't have to coach us on how to work hard. All the guys are working hard. We just needed the proper direction. Just point me where I need to go. I'll give you my all and I'll be there. I don't even know what games we have, what time they are. Just bring me to the game and tell me who I need to hit. I'm going to hit them. I just need direction. That's what I needed. I knew how to work hard. I knew football now. I just needed to bring it together. And this was the staff that was able to do that. I don't know that, that simply having trust leads to, to eight or nine wins, um, but I will absolutely lead to tougher play. I think that, that that combined with the gains that these guys have made in the weight room um, will lead up to a team that gets better as the season goes on instead of a team that has done what, what Husker teams have done in the past couple of years, um, and that's breakdown as the season moves along. I don't, I don't necessarily think that we should buy every single thing um, that the players say at face value because it is the offseason and preseason excitement is, is a very real thing. Um, and everyone around the country is saying the exact same thing. But I think there's insight to be gained in the fact that every single player talked about trust. Every single one of them brought that up. That's a topic of focus right now within the program. And I think that's important. Uh, I've said this before. I don't think Nebraska gets blown out this year. They'll lose games, um, but they're not going to get embarrassed because I think that's what that's what trust in each other and trust in a system and trust in a coaching staff. I think that's what that gets you. You're not going to to have those games where you just you know the scoreboard explodes, where you know like you're in it in the second half against Wisconsin and then it just gets away from you. I think they will be in a lot of games right until the end. Um, on that note, I'll wrap it up. We'll be back next week again with another podcast. Keep it with Hale Varsity until then, and we'll keep you guys right. Thanks, everybody.